Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. Mikey Pisano here. <laughs> Did I break you? Sorry, I was going to be the big Pisano. But <laughs> oh, it's so easy. I'm the Fizz Master. There you go. There we are. Welcome to episode 230, Holiday Hell 1996. Can you guess where we are? Hmm. <laughs> no tagline. Yep. Must hey. be in the home of BC Dub. Must be. So this was the fourth annual Holiday Hill, produced by ECW. It would take place on December 7th, 1996, from the ECW Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, with an attendance of 1,150 people. And to get chopped up and put on television uh, December 10th, 17th. That is correct, as this is not a full show. It's just one of those best of type videos that we've found out on the, the old internet. I mean, I love these things. You know what I love more than uh, anything <laughs> when it comes to ECW show? One that's been chopped and screwed, brother. Oh, I was gonna say real music. <laughs> oh yeah, I like I do like real music. I'm just saying, you know, an ECW show where they've done some clipping. Whew. I'm it a does, fan. It, it does help sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Definitely don't hurt. A teaspoon of sugar helps the medicine go down. <laughs> so Shane, we're back in Philly. Yeah, we is. So did you do what you do? Well, I think I just may have. Yes. Here we are back in Philly. Tis the season for Holiday Hell 1996. And as uh, anybody who's been listening to our little podcast here knows, we had some uh, incredible suggestions sent to us by our friend Joe regarding some food, beverage, drink ideas, that kind of thing here. And so we've just been sticking with Joe's Joe's drinks run for down the, ECW. Run, yeah. run down the list and... What makes an ECW show more enjoyable? Booze. Booze. Exactly. They're drinking Absolutely. it in the ring. They're drinking it in the crowd. And so far, Joe's uh, little partnership with ChatGPT for these uh, drinks has been pretty successful. We had a, a delicious one with the Raven's Revenge. We had the uh, Dudley Dropkick, that coconutty, pineapple-y one oh, yeah. uh, from a few weeks back. This time, we have gone with the Franchise Fizz. As it states on here, it's a bold blend of bourbon, ginger ale, and a splash of lime juice served on the rocks with a fiery garnish of jalapeno. So yeah, I got some bullet bourbon, added some ginger ale, a little splash of lime juice, sliced up a jalapeno, tossed it in there so it can give it a little little extra warmth. Little kick. Yep. And yeah, it's... I'm loving it. It's, Solid. it's, it's you know, easy to drink. It's got a nice warming effect to it. It's got some spice to it. It's got that kick of lime in there as well. So, And it's 100 degrees outside. So a, a nice cold 
cocktail is is the way to go. Yeah, I mean whiskey, ginger, always always nice. Add the jalapeno in the lime, and you know, you drop kicked it. Joe, wherever you are, you need to to hit us up on on the X. What was it called? Zetas. Zetas, yeah. Zetas, zet all over our faces, oh, even. Oh, um, or just send us an email. I just want to know where you are. Like, where where are you located at? I you have emailed us... him. He just hasn't responded. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, maybe maybe he just needs some encouragement. Shout out to us. Let us know where you are, and I, I shouldn't say shout out to us. We're giving you a shout out right now. Hit us up. Let us know where you are because these drinks have been uh, pretty fucking great, man. We appreciate it. Well, something that would happen right around the same time as Holiday Hill. A trio of films would come to theater the next week. Jerry Maguire, Mars Attacks, and The Preacher's Wife. Mars Attacks, what is the sound they make? It's like, eh, eh, something like that. Something like that, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I saw that in the theater. Left thinking that I had just seen a masterpiece. The perfect age <laughs> for uh, this movie. That movie does not hold up. I bet... I would still be able to watch it with rose-colored glasses just because I've watched it so many times, but I believe you, as it is just kind of a bunch of vignettes. I mean, Mars Attacks basically is just a like homage to the old like Plan 9 from Outer Space yeah, type stuff. which works uh, for Ed Wood, me. For Ed Wood sure. films. Yeah, and I mean, goddamn do I love the movie Ed Wood. I'm sure it's much better than Mars Attacks. It's probably my favorite Burton movie. But Mars Attacks worked for me at the time as I was, what, like... 14? No, I was like 9 when this movie came out. So it was perfect for me. No, I guess I would have been 15. Yeah, I was born in 87. Yeah. So so this was like perfect for a 9-year-old. I can understand why it wasn't... There's there's, there's some scenes in that movie that probably weren't right for a a 9-year-old to be seen. Probably, but they probably probably went over my head or whatever. That happens a lot in at that point in time, but like this and like Men in Black and all that shit. Plus, I loved alien crap as a kid, so this and obviously goofy things is I basically only watched Nickelodeon, so this all worked for me. Yeah. Show me the money. Show me the money. What's the What's the other line? Isn't there like a You complete me? Yes, yeah. that's help it. me help you. Uh huh. The human yeah. head weighs eight pounds. Yeah. Human head weighs eight pounds. Yeah. Bees and or birds and or something like that. Bees and dogs can smell fear. I've only, I mean, I remember the the little kid, uh, uh, and I think I've seen parts of this movie on television, but I never sat down and watched the whole thing. Granted, it came out when I was like nine, so by the time it was on tape, I was probably ten, and this is like the last thing that I would have wanted to watch is like a rom com that has a sports element. <laughs> Right? That's, that's, that, that, that is yeah. basically what it is. Yeah, as a 10-year-old boy, I would not have been able to appreciate it probably. But I'm sure I could now. I mean, it's Tom Cruise doing Tom Cruise Yes, at that time. I do love Tom Cruise. This was a, uh, a standout performance for Kelly Preston as well. R.I.P. Her, her take as his girlfriend or fiancé or whatever she was at the beginning of the movie was different than what I had seen her as in previous things because yeah. I mean, granted really the only thing that stands out that I can remember her in before that was Space Camp about twins was she in twins isn't it Kelly Preston in twins she, I remember that she uh, really rocks a pencil skirt very yeah, well that is it? her in there See, it's, been, it's, it's been a long time since I've watched twins too 
It's fine, but I would say one of the highlights is Kelly Preston in a pencil skirt. But she, uh, she was Mrs. That is Kelly Preston. Yeah, Mrs. Travolta for all those years. But yeah, it's uh, Jerry Maguire was was great. I, Did it win? It won awards, right? Oh yeah, it was nominated for a whole bunch of things. Cuba Gooding Jr. won Best Supporting Actor Oscar. Is that the yep. only good thing Cuba Gooding Jr. ever did? His career, he ended up boys in, in Snow hood. Dogs a few years ago. I mean, Boys in the Hood, yeah, but that's a good point. Yeah, as good boys as it in the gets. Hood. I mean, he had yeah, a, he is a good. small he's, part in he's that. Good man. He's a good, yeah. yeah. All right, so he had a he had a, break. He had a, a short run yeah, of good performances before he He just, had some stuff, and then he kind of fell victim to the Oscar curse of I, I you think, win an Oscar, and then you fade into obscurity yeah. or... I think him and Terrence Howard are also people that are a pain in the ass, so people are just like, yeah, we're not going to deal with you. You're not that fucking good. <laughs> He's been in uh, a few seasons of the American Horror Story franchise. Yeah. Played O.J. Simpson. Oh, is he O.J. in the t- in the TV series? Yes. Yep. Okay, that's cool. But yeah, the movie itself won a bunch of awards, was nominated for a bunch of awards, and just kind of made... It's Renee Zellweger too, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it made household like names of, of Renee Zellweger. Thank you for getting it. I mean, he was yeah, on his Regina way there. King is his wife. Mm-hmm. That's oh, okay. Did you say that one? Yep. Yeah. Uh, the other. Yeah, I love Regina King. She's so good and underrated. She always fucking nails everything she's in. Yep. I mean, you got Bonnie Hunt. Oh. Jay Moore. Dang. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Forgot about Bonnie Hunt. What's his name? Old Jerry Goosh. O'Connell. There we are, Jerry O'Connell. You got Bo Bridges. As as. Daddy Kush. What the hell is the preacher's wife? Preacher's Whitney. Wife is Denzel and Whitney doing a remake of The Bishop's Wife, which is an old 50s, 40s Yeah, classic film. Hollywood flick. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Basically, Denzel is a angel, and he comes down. Courtney B. Vance and Whitney Houston are married, and Courtney is the preacher. Denzel uh, comes down as an answer to prayers... And basically helps helps the family figure out the holidays. Is it so? Okay. Is it, it so? Is it, is it kind of similar to "It's a Wonderful Life" in a way? That's kind of that's what the, I was thinking. I was like, "That's the vibe life. that they go for," but it ends up. It, and I I've, I've seen both Bishop's Wife and Preacher's Wife, and I feel like it's more prominent in Preacher's Wife. The love story that's between Denzel and Whitney. So the angel the angel starts having feelings for uh, the preacher's wife. So they also got a little bit of um, uh, Wings of Desire in there. Or, I've never seen the American remake of Wings of Desire, but City of Angels, which is supposedly a remake of Wings of Desire, but I can't see... It's got to be super different, because Wings of Desire is not a very, like traditional storytelling movie it feels like an art movie whereas i can't imagine city of angels does. city of angels tried to be an art movie <clears throat> they it? tried yeah. yeah i need to watch it because number one that goo goo doll song rules and i like the movie wings of desire so i'm Ew. out of, i'm out of i'm curious that's the song that made me hate the goo goo doll i mean me too for a long time but i can appreciate it now, now. alanis morissette now it's the song that made me come to goo goo dolls and i fell in love with the rest of their yeah i mean i like the alanis morissette uninvited Good Rocks. songs, good song. That song also, I believe, gave us a crummy Eric Clapton song, but there's a lot of those. 
which so I mean, I, I can't remember <laughs> one of those soft, <laughs> shitty ones that he did in the '90s. Like um, you might be thinking of phenom- or phenomenon with Change oh, the World. Yeah, God, I hate that song. Yeah. So I mean, definitely this week was rom coms. Though, if you want to watch Preacher's Wife, I suggest going and find the '40s version Bishop's Wife. I think it's a better one. It has Cary Grant in it. Yeah. Um, as the as the Denzel part. I mean, let's, I mean, Denzel and Whitney do a great job in Preacher's Wife. It's, Don't just, get not, me wrong. it's just not the greatest uh, script. I just Bishop's Wife. I think is a better film. I believe you. Uh, Mars Attacks. It's it's fun. If you haven't seen it, it's worth a watch. Like, all three of these are definitely worth a watch if you haven't seen it. And they're all pretty different. Exactly. Well, I'll definitely be watching Jerry Maguire before I get to Preacher's Wife. I can see that. (laughs) Save Preacher's Wife for Christmas time. It's a a fun holiday film. Yeah. (laughs) Put that one on when I'm hanging out with my mom. She loves it, probably. Maybe. You never know. She'll watch anything. Loretta Devon shows up as... Letter of Divines. She's divine. Exactly. I'm not sure if I know who that is. You'd know her if you okay. saw her. Yeah. Right. Well, let's talk some wrestling. Let's do it. Little Guido is in the ring with Mike in hand. And he claims he has the final say in what happens in the FBI. That J.T. Smith didn't listen to him. And lost to Two Cold Scorpio. Telling J.T. that if he ever shows up here again, he's going to kick his ass. Guido takeover, brother. FBI is not dissolved. Family's falling apart. I mean, JT left. He so had he, to. He lost it, the match. I mean, yeah. It was a loser leaves town match. He should have known that. better. It was only say. for thirty days. Yeah, yeah that's true. So he could come back, but yeah, he's not going to be welcome into the FBI. FBI. <laughs> Which you know, there we go. Good story. We got an angle. Got an angle. But we go to our first match. The FBI of Little Guido and Davey Pisano versus the Dudleys, Bubba Ray Dudley and Spike Dudley with Sign Guy Dudley. And I, well, they said Davey, but I kept hearing Baby, Baby Pisano. <laughs> that's what guy. I thought they said it's at like first, It's like that kind of works. He's a, so, little, he's a little guy. Because, yeah, I mean, I thought that's how it, his name was, too, because, you know, you've got Little Guido, so I thought maybe he, Baby he's Pisano. Our, uh, he's our young buck lookalike, uh, Tyler Jericho Davy Boy Smith Jr. Morgan. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, or whatever. It's that guy from the last ECW show we watched. Uh-huh, we talked about him a lot. So we cut forward to the Dudleys hitting stereo hip tosses, followed by Bubba press slamming Guido on top of Davey. Spike rolls up little Guido for a two count, while Bubba Ray splashes Pisano, followed by press slamming him out onto Guido, who had rolled out to the floor. ECW. Spike is then back body dropped out onto the FBI as well, before we move forward to see the smallest Dudley roll up Davey for several near falls. Spike is whipped to the ropes, where little Guido hits a knee to the back from the apron, allowing Pisano to knock him out to the floor, where Guido attacks, ramming him into a guardrail before rolling him back in. Spike's already over. He's getting chance already. Davey hair flips Spike, followed by a little Guido clothesline for a two count. Guido then spits at Bubba, which brings him in, only for the ref to intervene while the FBI double teams Spike. Kind of fucked up there. Yeah, people also want JT. A few of them. I'm, I'm with you, peoples. We're pro JT here. A leg drop and a cover for a near fall by little Guido before whipping Spike to his corner, where Pisano is holding a chair getting another two count. 
Guido spits on Bubba Ray again, allowing the FBI to nail a double clothesline, Davey with a drop kick and a bridging full Nelson pin for a near fall. Little Guido's back in with a tiger bomb for a two count, whips Spike to a corner where Dudley leaps up and over a charging Guido, allowing him to deliver a tornado bulldog and make the crawl to the corner for the hot tag. Bubba chops away on little Guido, but then misses a pair of clotheslines, only to catch Guido with a Bubba cutter. He makes the cover when Pisano leaps in off the top rope to break it up. Bubba Ray just stares down Davey before slapping him and nailing a Bubba cutter on him, followed by Bubba and Spike climbing to the top rope, where the smallest Dudley leaps off of his brother's shoulders with a splash for the pin and And the win. win. I mean, goddamn, is the Bubba Cutter great looking. Right? It's just so, so damn pleasing to see. Pop, it's just a pop-up. Pop-up cutter. I, I, pop honestly, up that's cutter. that's he, what I thought they called it at first, was a pop-up cutter. Yeah. And then I actually heard it said again, like, oh, wait, no. Yeah, but they're just them. Bubba. Yeah. They go, he just gets so high up there. Comes right down. Yeah. It's like tossing a damn pizza. Somebody with their sign, their Diamond Dallas Who. <laughs> There needs to be a Diamond Dallas Dudley, damn it. Yeah. And then Spike, man. I'm finally into the Dudleys. All it took was uh, Spike coming in here full-on baby, baby face, mm-hmm. small guy, large guy, tag team dynamic. He flips around like a fucking rag doll. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm interested. It took about a year and a half or more because I really had no interest in these sons of bitches. <laughs> we go to our second match. The Bulldozer, Brian Lee versus Louis Spicoli. He's no longer ready for prime time. I guess. Oh. Uh, oh. I mean. Loser. There's no prime time for fucking ECW. <laughs> nope. There's no. Yeah, it's like, it'll be on uh, television. Bulldozer is more places. for ECW. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bulldozer is a better name, I think. So Chris Candido is on commentary with Joey Styles for this one. And that took me a second to figure out, too. I kept trying to figure out who the hell's voice am I hearing. Same. Is is Joey doing two voices? I thought it was Joel Gertner at first. <laughs> Yeah. And then it, like, obviously I figured it out later on in the match. So the two men are trading strikes to begin until Lee nails a clothesline and a big boot, followed by multiple elbow drops. The bulldozer sends Louie to the ropes only for Spicoli to duck a clothesline and return with a leaping forearm, allowing him to take control in the corner. The ref is trying to get them out, but Louie just tosses him away several times. And the momentary distraction allows Lee to grab a foreign object out of his pocket and use it across the forehead of Spicoli. You leave him alone. The bulldozer goes back to work on the busted open Louie, tossing him into the front row before Lee heads to the top turnbuckle, only to realize that Spicoli was really far away. Yeah, and also that's an even better way to get heat on yourself, to go to the top and then come back down in the ECW arena. They don't like to see that at all. And they love Luis Piccoli. So the bulldozer brings him closer to ringside to finally be able to fly off with a top rope foreign object shot. Lee continues to dig the foreign object into the forehead of Louis before hitting a chair shot and taking the fight into the crowd. Who'd have guessed? The bulldozer suplexes Spicoli onto the merch table, but Louis retaliates using a violin and a chair across the back. I know, they said it was a mandolin. I'm like, come on, guys. Get some culture, Joey. It's a ukulele, if anything. <laughs> Spicoli tries to ram Lee into the light stand, only for the bulldozer to reverse, 
before also hitting more chair shots. They finally returned to the ring with Lee bringing a chair in with him to continue the punishment. The bulldozer sets the chair on Louie before going to the second rope, coming off with a falling fist, only for Spicoli to throw the chair into Lee on his way down. I love it. Sick. Right in his damn face. Yep. Louie with a clothesline and a body slam, but the bulldozer pokes the eyes to slow the momentum. And the ref is checking on Spicoli, only for Louie to pick him up and deliver a Spicoli driver accidentally, which makes Candido leave the booth. He's like, I gotta go check on him. Yeah. Make sure the ref's okay. Yeah, well, Louie didn't know what he was doing. He was blinded. Lee goes for a choke slam, but Louie hits him in the forklift before nailing the Spicoli driver for the pin. And no, the ref is still out. Candido makes it to the ring and immediately attacks Louie, while Shane Douglas has come out and taken the ref shirt off of Pee Wee Moore. Oh, I love this. I love Shane Douglas. Spicoli fights back and hits the driver on Chris, while the franchise has replaced the ref laying on the mat. I know, and he's like covering his face so they can't see the Shane Douglas. God, I love him so much. And the camera work is really good. You know exactly what's happening. Louie nails another Spicoli driver on the bulldozer, with Shane making the three count. And Louie looks to get his hand raised, still not realizing that Douglas has the shirt on until he clears some blood out of his eyes, which leads to the two men brawling. I love the way they pulled this off. He doesn't do a dumb, oh my God face, and they don't like do some like silly pause where he's like, oh shit, and then he's just, it's like, yeah, he he realizes it's like, it feels (laughs) about as realistic as something this ludicrous could be. So bravo to them. They did not uh, go the WWF route, and uh, they, yeah, it, it felt, it felt real. Spicoli gets the franchise up on his shoulders, but Shane is able to escape when Lee makes the save by hitting a choke slam. He makes a cover with Pee Wee awake enough to make the count for the pin and the win. Old shirtless Pee Wee. Post match, the three men continue to attack Louie when Pitbull number two would come running out. 65 5. Yeah. Press slamming Douglas, but the numbers adva- disadvantage is too much. The Bulldozer and Candido hold Pitbull, allowing the franchise to hit a clothesline, before they hold him down for Chris to fly off the top with a splash. The trio continues the beat down when Lee chokeslams Pitbull number two out of the ring and through the timekeeper's table. Yeah, that was ECW. Yeah, I'm already having a good time. You know, it's shows like World War Three that make you appreciate... Entertainment. Just a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> so we go to our third match. Rob Van Dam versus Taz with Bill Alfonso and Team Taz. And it's nice to hear Taz come out to kiss. <laughs> Fonzie takes the mic to let RVD know that he's about to be another victim tonight. He's going to beat him so bad that he will have to crawl to the back which causes Van Damme to laugh. And the two men stare each other down in the middle of the ring when the human suplex machine draws a line, challenging RVD to cross it, which he does, followed by flipping off Taz, who responds with a slap to the face. The two start brawling, only for the human suplex machine to take Van Damme to the mat and attempt to choke him out. 
Back to their feet, RVD's thrown with a tiger suplex when the crowd starts chanting for Sabu, which distracts Taz momentarily, allowing Van Dam to retaliate with a monkey flip and a drop kick that sends the human suplex machine out to the floor. RVD flies off the top turnbuckle with a somersault senton onto Taz, with them both hitting the concrete very hard. Yeah, it's a nasty one. And best camera work in all of CW, ECW so far, you get perfect angle for seeing this incredible, dangerous bump. Something I also noticed was that they always chant Sabu when Taz is out there, but Taz actually looked normally just... Just right off the shoulder, but he looked visibly upset. Yeah. Which is, uh, I assume, just good character work. He's a little bit rattled. Yeah. It's like his whistle is starting to get to him, perhaps. I mean, man. (laughs) How can you focus on anything with that thing in your ear? Back in the ring, Van Dam keeps up the attack with a double underhook faceplant before going for a somersault splash. Only for the human suplex machine to get his knees up. Nice. Taz then telegraphs a back body drop, allowing RVD to nail a sunset flip for a two count. But the human suplex machine responds with a clothesline for a near fall. Taz hits some turnbuckle smashes before throwing Van Dam to the floor, where he continues by sending RVD into a guardrail. Now back in the ring, the human suplex machine ducks a leapfrog and delivers a T-bone Tazplex, followed by a bridging northern light suplex for a two count. The human suplex machine then misses a clothesline, allowing Van Dam to come off the ropes with a spinning heel kick and a thrust kick before grabbing a chair from the crowd. An RVD nails Taz over the head with it, whipping the human suplex machine to a corner, followed by throwing the chair into Taz's face. Van Dam then hits a chair-aided dropkick, placing the steel in front of the human suplex machine's face in the corner, but he wasn't worn down enough. So he grabs the chair and just throws it back at RVD. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it hits him like right in the bridge of the nose. Mm-hmm. Right on target. And Taz is pissed off, and the two just start brawling in the middle of the ring, when Van Dam uses the chair again to gain control. RVD then nails a Van Daminator for a near fall, followed by more kicks, only for the human suplex machine to duck and deliver a release German. Taz then applies the Taz mission, with Van Dam fighting to break free, hitting a side Russian leg sweep, but the human suplex machine remains locked in. Hell yeah. RVD then climbs the ropes and flips backwards into a pin attempt for a two count. You love to see it. Followed by Taz finally getting the legs grapevined around the body, which ends up putting Van Dam to sleep for the submission... And, and the, the win. win. Great shit. Yep. This is what I want to see. They didn't bring the chair in until like halfway, uh, which is an, which is always nice. Yeah. Would have preferred if they didn't even bother with it, but it worked with the way the match went. Um, but this is the ECW that I want to see. And RVD still looks strong, but you know, this is a Taz, Taz has to see. get the win. Yeah. This is good. This is. Like, primo ECW shit in my mind. Devon Dudley and Axel Rotten are in the ring with Mike in hand. Devon's yelling about something when he gets interrupted by the Blue World Order. 
coming in from the front door of the arena. B-W-O. They already got a chant. They're already over. You, all you need is three letters for a chant. You know what else they got? A new member. Ooh, who could it be? three and a half. <laughs> who's filming with his camcorder as the rest of the group throw out bingo cards to the crowd. So fucking funny, dude. Three and a half is Rob Feinstein, the owner of RF Video and the first promoter of ROH. Oh, and, and other things, okay. as Shane just mentioned. <laughs> well, I didn't know that about him, but, you know. Yeah. He, he was on To Catch Predator. Oh, wow. Jesus. Yeah, that's, Jesus. That's, that's where his no, fame took him. That's why he's no longer a promoter of ROH. <laughs> yeah, he's no longer, uh, yeah, no longer talked about. And the BWO make bingo jokes and tell everyone to buy their shirt before Stevie insults Axel by calling him Ian and saying his ass is bigger than Meanie's. <laughs> and Devon has had enough of this chicanery, so he smashes a chair across the back of Blue Meanie while Axel takes out Richards and Nova. When the music hits, the X's go up and the trash cans go flying. Uh-oh. Which leads us to our fourth match. Devon Dudley and Axel Rotten versus the gangsters of New Jack and Mustafa Saeed for the ECW World. Tag Team Championships. And everyone's brawling to begin. New Jack's hanging Dudley with his chain before dumping the trash atop of Rotten. Saeed hits a suplex and a headbutt on Devon, while Axel continues to be beaten down with plunder from Jack. Dudley responds with a clothesline and a cookie sheet shot to Mustafa, while Rotten has recovered to use plunder himself. And we cut forward to an Axel chair shot over the head of Saeed, before moving ahead again to Mustafa body-slamming Rotten and New Jack with a chair shot Devon. Another cut to Jack and Dudley making their way to the Eagle's Nest area, where Devon is pile-driven into the concrete, while Axel uses more plunder on Saeed in the ring. New Jack sets up a table, and he places Dudley on it. And everybody's bleeding, by the way. Before climbing to the top of the nest flying off the splash atop Devon and through the table. Oh my god. I mean, another great camera shot, and New Jack, it's like a running Superman splash. It's like the most intense splash we've seen to this point, and this might be the beginning of New Jack jumping off of stuff. (laughs) My god. Oh my god. Jack smashes a piece of the broken table over the head of Dudley before dragging him back to ringside, while Rotten delivers a double underhook face plant to Mustafa inside the ring. He goes for a cover, but the ref is out with New Jack and Dudley. Stevie Richards then jumps in the ring and nails a Stevie kick to Axel, before cutting ahead to a Saeed body slam of Rotten, followed by a 187 chair die from Jack. For the pin! And the win. Post-match, the gangsters put on BWO shirts and celebrate in the ring, giving props to the boys up in the Eagle's Nest for their help. I know, the BWO's in the nest all with the X up. Pretty fun. Pretty funny stuff. We then go to our fifth match. The franchise, Shane Douglas and Francine versus Tommy Dreamer and Beulah McGillicuddy. And Tommy's music starts to play when Shane grabs the mic, telling them to shut it off, because he wants to be introduced first. 
and Douglas then introduces Francine himself before telling Dreamer he's got one more wrestling lesson coming. Now after Tommy gets introduced, the franchise takes the mic again, asking what he's going to do when there's no Terry Funk to back you up. But the smart money says we're going to kick your asses. Dreamer then takes the mic to respond with, Why don't you shut the fuck up? I'm going to beat the hell out of you, and if that no-good slut gets in my face, Beulah, you kick the shit out of her. Damn. Shane immediately attacks with a belt over the head of Tommy, followed by a drop kick and a double sledge that sends Dreamer out to the floor. Douglas with a baseball slide to send Tommy into a guardrail, hurting his knee, with the franchise keeping up the attack with a turnbuckle smash, a hot shot across the top rope, and a slingshot plancha out to the floor. Shane takes a bottled drink from a fan to smash across the forehead of Dreamer, before running him into a guardrail and using a chair as we head to commercial. But we're back and we're in the ring, with Tommy whipping Douglas to a corner, but Dreamer then telegraphs a back body drop, allowing the franchise to nail a swinging neckbreaker onto a chair. Tommy uses the chair to help him get back to his feet, only for Shane to dropkick it to continue the punishment to the knee. I mean, such a smart little spot. Douglas places the leg across the bottom rope and has Francine come in with a pump splash onto it. But as she walks away, Dreamer grabs her down low, which is completely blurred out, until the franchise pulls him off, allowing Francine to slap Tommy. I mean... Grabbing her by the vagina is pretty wild. Right? <laughs> I was like, geez. Yeah. Dreamer's fired up and he goes after Shane, knocking him down with right hands when Francine would jump on Tommy's back. Dreamer would pull her off and grab her by the hair, only for Douglas to make the save and deliver a pile driver before heading up top. Or Beulah distracts him long enough for Tommy to recover and press slam the franchise down to the mat. Dreamer with a power slam for a two count, uses the chair across the leg of Shane before applying a Muda lock momentarily. Tommy telegraphs another back body drop, so Douglas goes for the single arm DDT, only for Dreamer to counter it into a back suplex. Tommy then nails a DDT of his own and makes the cover, when Francine would pull the franchise's boot onto the ropes to stop the count. And Dreamer has had enough of her antics, so he drags her from the floor into the ring by her hair, before tagging in Beulah for a cat fight. Tommy has seen enough of it, so he pulls Francine up for a pile driver, but Shane nails him from behind to save her. Douglas then hits a drop kick to the hurt leg to regain control, before locking on a figure four. But he has to release because the pressure on his own leg is too much. That drop kick to the back of Tommy's leg looked a little stiff. It looked real good. The franchise reverses a whip, sending Dreamer to the ropes, where he hits Francine, sending her flying into the guardrail, followed by another drop kick and a figure four by Shane. And Beulah runs in to rake the eyes of Douglas to save Tommy before the franchise stalks after McGillicuddy, allowing Dreamer to roll up Shane for a near fall. Tommy now hits a dropkick to the knee, 
and he locks on the figure four, with Beulah slapping Douglas as well. When Francine would make her way back into the ring to leap off the second rope with a cookie sheet shot to the top of Miguel Cuddy's head. Say that six times fast. <laughs> cookie sheet shot. Dreamer retaliates with a pile driver of Francine. Oh no. Where I assume she popped out of her top because they blurred it out again. I yeah. was wondering. Followed by a backbreaker of her. Tommy then starts to head up top, only for Beulah to drag him down because she wants to finish her off. So McGillicuddy climbs up, coming off with a moonsault that Ish. doesn't really connect. No. But we'll give her credit for trying. Exactly. It was short. She basically took the whole mat, the flat, across her, the front of her body. And Dreamer and Beulah pose in the middle of the ring when the franchise would knock Tommy down and assume his position behind McGillicuddy, only to grab her and nail a belly-to-belly suplex. For the pin, and And the the win. win. Big boos from the crowd. Post-match damage control comes out to check on all of the competitors. I mean, you know, everybody everybody took their their lumps. They definitely did. Yeah, the timing in psychology was really good. Yeah, I mean... How great is Francine? What a trooper. So we go to our sixth match. Raven versus Sandman for the ECW World Championship in a barbed wire match. I mean, how many times have these guys fought? we got to do something. Got to put them through the wire. Hopefully the, Cue the shock of Khan. Hopefully the barbed wire will keep old Lori and Tyler... Away from the ring. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they shouldn't have a kid, in, 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 <laughs> even if the barbed wire's gimmick. So, ah, good luck. So we get a feeling out process with each trying to send the other into the barbed wire to start. When Raven would hit a falling fist to the groin. He would go for a second one, but Sandman gets a boot up to the chin, allowing him to roll up Raven for a two count. Sandman goes for a spinning toe hold, only for Raven to kick him off into the barbed wire ropes where he gets hung up, so Raven starts dropkicking him multiple times to help release him. Raven then crotches the Sandman on the top rope before throwing him to the floor, following out to set a table against the guardrail. Raven then whips with Sandman hard through the table before also tossing him into a guardrail and using a cookie sheet across the head. Damn, it is holiday hell. Cookie sheets everywhere. <laughs> Raven continues by ramming Sandman into the ring post. Posted. Followed by tossing a table into the ring. They roll back in with Raven looking to place the table in a corner. When Sandman would attack from behind, sending Raven into the barbed wire, while also breaking the table. Raven looks to respond with a rubber band slam, but it's reversed by Sandman dropping the challenger across the ropes. Belly first. And it's wire. Yeah. Just a reminder. Sandman takes the wire cutters from the ref, and he begins to cut the barbed wire from one side of the ring, which he uses to wrap around Raven's face. More punishment as Sandman uses the wire as a whip across Raven's back, sending the challenger rolling out to the floor. Sandman picks up the broken table and just tosses it on top of Raven, before finishing the removal of the ropes, followed by dropping an elbow from the apron. Now Sandman stalks after Raven around ringside when the challenger would grab the champ's kendo stick 
and begin to whack Sandman over the head several times. Now back in the ring, Raven uses the wire to bust open Sandman's forehead before tossing him back out to the floor, where he strangles the champ on the ring post and tosses him into a guardrail. Raven looks to use the cane again, but Sandman steals it away to deliver blows of his own, including a kendo-aided plancha. And Sandman suplexes a table atop Raven, before rolling back into the ring, where he attempts to drag the challenger in as well, only for the Raven to pull the champ down into the wire. Now Raven brings another table into the ring, while Sandman has grabbed the cane for more shots across the challenger's head before nailing an elbow drop. And Sandman takes the wire cutters again to cut some more wire free from the turnbuckles to wrap around the body of Raven. And the challenger rolls to the floor to unwrap himself, while Sandman's wrapping wire around his body to leap out with another kendo shot. He must be hardcore. Sandman sets up a table on the concrete, and he places Raven on it before climbing back in the ring to leap or stumble his way out onto his opponent. You know, it's Sandman. Only for Raven to have moved, sending the champ through the table. And the challenger brings the Sandman back into the ring, and he sets a table up on the mat, before climbing atop it for a pile driver, only for the table to break under the weight of both men. <laughs> it's pretty funny. He's like, you guys are not small men. These tables are made out of not much in the crowd. Booze. They wanted to see. They wanted to see the thing. Raven then DDTs the Sandman through the broken table, crawling his way over for the pin, and, and the win. win. And move back on Raven. Mm. I mean, the crowd's kind of split on the win. Post match, Raven struggles to stand and celebrate as we fade to black. So I ask you, gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of Holiday Hill 1996? It ain't the worst EZW show I've seen. I would say that it was good. Spike was great. The whole show was pretty entertaining. The last match came off a little blah to me. But who would have guessed a barbed wire match would be boring? Uh, Yeah. I'd agree with all of that, actually. It was fun seeing Spike do his thing. It was good to see the Shane Douglas, I'm guessing this is the new three-peat, whatever. Triple threat. Triple threat, threat. that's what they're called, not three-peat. Yeah, I'm here Um, for that. I mean, you all know how I feel about old Brian Lee, so maybe maybe I'll enjoy him more as a bulldozer than I did as primetime. Yeah, I don't think he's bad, it's just not... He's just not exciting to me. Yeah, yeah. It just it feels like that they haven't worked on getting him over the right way. Yeah. But that whole angle was fun. Yeah, I mean, show-wise, comparing it to World War Three last week, this, this show was a breeze. Yeah, this went down um, like, like a... Like, like, a a shot of, like a shot of bourbon with some ginger ale and some jalapeno in it. Yeah, Pretty damn a, smooth. On a hot day. Yeah, it was, uh, it was an easy one. Uh-huh. I'm right there with you guys. Really fun show to watch. There's nothing technically amazing on this show. I mean, RVD and Taz is pretty fucking great. But they didn't do anything that was just like technically 
yeah. outstanding wrestling wise. Like it was a good match. Yeah, I mean, I guess the the good quote unquote technical stuff here is that the psychology was good in the great matches on the show, yeah. which is why the RVD and Taz match was so good. Why the mixed tag match was so good. Yeah, but literally nothing drags on the show at all. Thankful and, to the cuts, probably. And that's sometimes, especially on these ECW shows. It's really all you can ask for. Yep. Yeah. Because nothing drags. There's a reason I love it when they cut that 15, 20, 30 minutes out. I mean, the gangsters match, I don't think either of us had an issue with it because it was significantly cut down. Mm -hmm. And they showed us the stuff that actually mattered. How many times does a guy need to get hit with a cookie sheet or have like a piece of wood pushed into their forehead or whatever? Absolutely. Show me the... I mean, my God, New Jack's splash out of the nest (laughs) was completely unhinged. There's a few unhinged big spots here. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smark it up. Do it. Do it. So what are some of the best moments of this show? I mean, the RBD um, Taz spot out of the corner, camera perfectly like in line on the floor to see these two men knock the wind out of themselves. The Dudley rocket launcher. Yes. Yep. I mean, big shout out to... The spot in the Louis match, where he didn't oversell, noticing who the guy was. Oh, that was, that was so perfect. That done. whole ending part of that match is so good because, like, Shane coming in and actually laying down on the mat as the ref. Yeah, you're like, like we've seen stuff like that done like so you poorly see it, before. You see it, and you're like, "What is he doing?" And then, like, you get once you like oh, you notice it. Yeah, yeah. You're like, that is ingenious. Mm-hmm. It's, a lot of this stuff is so simple. It's just that it's rarely pulled off well. So when it gets pulled off well, it feels like a fucking revelation. And there's some stuff in this show where that happens. Where it's like, oh yeah. It's not that I haven't seen this before. It's just that I haven't seen it done as well. Uh, some of the chair shots in the RVD Taz match stand out. Just because of the brutality of them. And I mean, that match itself was just... It's hard hitting. These guys knew what they were doing when they got in there. I mean, Taz is, is gonna is gonna ragdoll you anyway. But RVD's not a small man, and he's uh, a much better wrestler than Sabu. So there's uh, very little slop, and everything is a little more snug. Shane, Shane, assuming like Tommy and Bueller are doing their pose and everything, and then yeah. Shane like comes up, hits, gets knocks Tommy out of the way, and. He takes the same position yeah. like, as Shane, so Beulah doesn't realize that her partner's about behind him. And then she just turns and is like right into the suplex. It was yeah. just like, these is, it's like all these just little tiny moments that just, yeah, that so good. Can make or break something from being like silly and stupid to, um, to yeah, to be, believe, to, to, to be like believable as possible and yeah, great and exciting. I mean, Big ups to the ladies for taking the bumps and being in the right spot and doing the right thing yep. at the right time. They really, uh, they they could have, you know, they're not professional wrestlers. They could have got off mark or lost in the match and it could have turned into a shit show. But Absolutely. everybody was like right there for everything that needed to happen. Timing is the thing on this show. It's a shorter show and everything that... Yeah, needed to happen, happened swiftly and came across in the camera. Yep. How about most disappointing? 
Uh, the barbed wire match was like never got interesting for me. I felt like it was actually probably one of their best matches that they've had together. Really? Maybe I just. Was I mean, just, I think a lot yeah. of it's probably just because there wasn't any outside interference. Yeah, I do. So I, I will was, say that it great. was just the two of them, and I thought Raven Raven showed more in yeah, in the match than he has shown since he first got the belt. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point because yeah, he's just been the like. But it also might be the healthiest he's been since yeah. the first time we saw him. Too. He had that belt with a fucked up knee forever. Yeah. Yeah, that was my thought on it. Was, you know, it was, it was nice to see Raven in there actually doing stuff again. But I think I had been bored with so many Raven matches prior that I didn't let myself fully observe what was going on because, yeah, I, I got to where I hated Raven matches. <laughs> I feel like I like, would have preferred this if it was a regular match. But if it's a regular match, you're gonna get interference. So this is a way to stop that from happening. I would have rather seen this like in a cage or something. What the fuck is Sandman going to do in a cage without get any, without any weapons? Cage. Yeah, get yeah, <laughs> crawl out of the cage and get a cane. Yeah, and go out into the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Like they didn't go into the crowd. I know. Mm-mm. That's a that is. I mean, those, they got are, close. those are very good points that you made that uh, you know make me appreciate this a little bit more. But in the moment, I was just kind of like. Uh, having such a good time and this didn't reach the uh, highs or um, pique my interest as much as the rest of the show. And it should because it's a heavyweight title match and I'm sure it did for some people. It just uh, didn't click for me even though I don't think it was poor. Different tastes. How about best performer? Hmm... That one's tough, because I don't think anybody did a poor job here. Mm-mm. I think Spike Dudley was a standout, um, for sure. I mean, you've got the usual suspects of Shane and Taz. I mean, yeah. RVD? I mean, RVD did... Francine. I mean, that's kind of um, my pick, because how often does she get it, and how on point was she here? I mean, even though she didn't land it right, Beulah did a moonsault. Yeah, that is true. But she doesn't. She doesn't have the like. She doesn't have the sauce no, or the, or the facials the, of like. She doesn't Francine. have the floss up her ass. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Francine's uh, got more of a it factor. I think. No shade to Beulah. But, no, you know, no, no, it is not what at it all. Is. Like it's like the difference between Sunny and. Sable. I mean, if Beulah lands at Moonsault like perfectly, yeah. it's Beulah all day long. Yeah, but it's, it's like the difference between Sonny and Sable. Sonny has an it factor, whereas Sable is a blank face with a good body. And Sonny is an incredible performer, even though oh, she ended up being a, From it you know, factor to a, real, a real problem. But uh, you can't take away what she, uh, what she did well. And how about most surprising? That Raven won the belt back this fast. On his yeah. first try back. Yeah, that is a good point. And then there was no interference. Yeah. I mean, he lost the belt without being in the match, so I guess getting him the belt back, he had to win it back all on his own. So Beginnings so, of a new triple threat? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's great. It feels like the, this is the first time Raven's done anything on his own. Yeah. Yeah. Very which possible. Which uh, I feel like I would have 
like for that to feel a little bit more prominent. Making their way to the ring. It's trivia time. <laughs> so this week, the category is Survivor. So we're going to go back and forth. Yeah, it's like rapid fire. Mm. Naming oh, shit. locations oh, shit. that we have had shows covered on in 93 and 94. <sighs> if you repeat one that has already been said, you are out. Get your pen. Damn. And Michael, you are... Behind? Behind. So I'm going to allow you to go first this well, week. Well, I mean, how can I do it? We're already here. Don't you take my thunder. Put Philadelphia on the board. Yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> what state is that in? Pennsylvania. There you go. Oh, we're doing it that way, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's the state or country. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll just say, I'm, I'm guessing we've been in Georgia. We have. Okay. New York City, New York. Correct. Ohio. Oh, that is a correct answer. Okay. Uh, I was like, I was like, hmm. Tokyo, Japan. Japan is a correct answer. Florida. Good. Well, we can just go states. Yeah. Yeah, just go states. States and countries. California. Correct. Thinking, I'm thinking, 93, 94, where were we at those years? Michigan. Yes. Did we go to Illinois? We did. Alabama. And mm. 10 points for Michael. No, Bama. I mean, I was like, hmm. I'm sure there's plenty of other places on that. But you were, I, I, for some reason, I thought we were just going to do uh, cities. But it makes more states. States would be a little faster, I'd imagine. A little bit easier for you guys. Yeah. But there was there was twenty two no, options. We got one, two, three, four, eight in. I got nine. Okay. Well, I miscounted. So you guys missed North Carolina, Texas, Iowa, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Mississippi, Nevada, Jersey, Rhode Island. South Carolina, Tennessee, and Virginia. Did you say Connecticut? I did not okay. say Connecticut. No so we went to Rhode Island, Island, but not Alabama, huh? Way to go, WCW. Fuck you. <laughs> Southern wrestling bullshit. Next week, in your house 12, it's time! Oh, is it? We'll find out next week. What time it is? What time it is? We'll, we'll know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Eleven in your house. They're shorter. Stuff tends to happen. That's right. Music from this week's show is Thunder Kiss '65. Five five. Yeah. By Rob Zombie and Raven won our main event. So we play his theme music. Come out and play. Damn! Did they even play it on the show? By I don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, he was already in the ring. I oh, think. okay. Yeah. Because I do remember. Well, that's Tommy. Never mind. <laughs> We know you don't you don't like it. I hate it. He d- doesn't yeah. belong to him. No, it's more of a Tommy music, or not a Tommy and Mikey. Yeah, for sure. Or just any s- smaller baby face. Yeah. 
And if you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there, rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast at. Yeah. R.I.P. Stitcher. That is right. It is no longer That's no my, longer a thing. It was my first podcast choice. So I guess... Uh, I know it was a really popular, but I guess Spotify might have killed it. Yeah. Like who, bought, who bought Stitcher? I don't even know. I guess, I guess you can do it on their app. I don't remember who bought them. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. If, you, if that's where you listen to podcasts at, read us there. Yeah. If you have any questions, comments, concerns. Recipes. We're going to Florida. We're going to West Palm Beach, even. Yeah. Florida, yeah. it's just a, a fruity drink and a bag of blow, right? That's the only thing they have there. Yeah. I guess it depends on how, how uh, you're in Miami or yeah, Tampa. Like it depends on where in Florida. Apparently, mm-hmm. they're... There's all kinds of things down there anymore. <laughs> Conservatives and Democrats and old trans and murderers and <laughs> everything's running in Florida. Hey, and I had a good time every time I've been taking it, putting it in your house. But yeah, if you got any drink ideas, food ideas, if you know who bought Stitcher, you should slide into our DMs <laughs> and just let us know. Give us a shout out on the the X, as I said before. Z it all over our face. <laughs> <laughs> but you can send those things to us at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or find us on X at wrestlinghistox. That's wrestling H I S T O X. We'll talk to you next week. Laters!